This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today our guest is Jason Thomas. Jason is the Vice President of Brokerage and co-owner of Raincatcher, a business brokerage and M&A firm who partners with entrepreneurs and business owners to help source the best win-win deal for all parties. After spending nearly a decade in the real estate sales and development industry, Jason knows what it truly takes to get a large transaction through to the finish line, hard work, communication, and the ability to connect with your clients. Jason is a licensed business intermediary and real estate broker. As an owner in multiple businesses, Jason knows the challenges that small business owners face on the day-to-day and cherishes the ability to help them reap the benefits of all their hard work through the sale of their company. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Well, Jason, give us a a little background or a snapshot of how you got here. Well, it's a long journey, but um, you know, I started you know my career in real estate, as you had mentioned. But I think more importantly, I come from you know an entrepreneurial family. My dad was a small business owner. My mom was a small business owner, and yeah, I think that's ingrained in uh, in my roots. I remember the first uh, experience I had as in owning a business was in Hilton Head, South Carolina. As a a young child, I actually sold golf balls back to golfers. I would go in the ponds and fish them out. And uh, set up a little you know table on the side of the golf course and and sell these golf balls back to these guys for fifty cents a piece or a buck a piece. <laughs> I remember that so clearly, and you know, that's kind of through my life to where I am now. You know, I I thought my career was going to be in real estate for a long time until I went back to uh, get my master's degree in business administration, and during that process, I really started to think about. You know, the opportunities that were out there for me and, and my experience in sales and real estate and, and how I can you know, help small business owners. Right during that same time, my dad was in the process of selling his insurance company and he had sold his insurance company to this investment bank. And in that process, just realized that it wasn't the right fit, ended up buying his business back from the bank a couple years later. So that was the, the world kind of aligned at that point. And that was right around the time that I met Raincatcher and was introduced to, to Raincatcher and decided that this was the career and the path that you know, I really wanted to go down. You know, it's, I, I think about, you know, we're kind of the, the fabric of our past and, and what we bring to the table. You know, my first question is getting golf balls. There weren't gators in South Carolina at that time, were there? You no, know, there were gators. That was, uh, <laughs> that was the scary part of it. We would wade and dive into these ponds and, you know, we had definitely had some encounters with, uh, with some alligators. Not two big ones, but they were there for sure. Well, that puts a risk premium on the golf ball price, I'm thinking. That's why it was, you know, one for a dollar or three for five. You know, I, I think about that and I think there's a whole industry around that now, you know, getting the golf balls out. You know, and, and when you watched your dad and talked to your dad post-sale, you know, and he, he left that business and then he went on to whatever was next. What did you uh, remember or note after that departure? You know, he tells me a story about he started the business 30 years ago. It's an insurance business in, in South Carolina. And he was the CEO and president and the founder of the, of the company. And he sold to this bank. And part of the requirement of the sale was for him to stay on post-closing, which is very similar to a lot of our business owners. And he said it was, it was the day that he needed staples. And he asked, and typically he'd say, I need staples. Hey, ask the secretary, you know, give me some, I need some more staples. Go, you know, can we order some more? And he had to fill out, she's like, oh, I can't order staples. You have to fill out an expense report. And, you know, this is a guy that's been running this business for 30 years. Now he's having to, you know, this is just one small example. Now he has to actually fill out expense reports, justify why he needs to have staples. 
it's a, a need that obviously a small uh, business has. And this was a, a very successful insurance company. And that was just one example of the, the waterfall of, of kind of expectations that he had that just didn't you know, come to fruition like he, he wanted and how they were driving the future of the business. Just, you know, for him, he wanted his company to go in a different direction and he lost that control once he sold. And that was ultimately what drove him to buying it back. You know, I, I think about that. And, you, you know, you've got this tapestry of experience in, you know, the entrepreneurial gene, for lack of a better term. You know, so f- for you, when you were looking at it, how did you find Raincatcher and what was it in the Raincatcher culture that drew you in? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story. You know, it's interesting how fate kind of aligns sometimes. And, you know, like I had mentioned before, I was, I was really kind of thinking the real estate, real estate development was my, my career path. And I was introduced, this was shortly after I finished up my MBA. And I was introduced to the original founder of Raincatcher and now my partner, Marlon DiCarlo, through an actually a, a fly fishing expo. Uh, I'm an avid fly fisherman. One uh, of my early 20s, I used to be a fly fishing guide. And they, uh, Marla and uh, the original founder of Raincatcher actually owned another business called Boulder Boatworks, uh, which is a drift boat manufacturing company here in Colorado. And that, I had been introduced to them through, through an associate, through a friend. And he said, hey, you should go you know, talk to these guys. They've got a great fishing company. You'd really learn, it'd be great for you to learn more about it. And so I went to this expo to really talk about fishing, which I can easily do and started talking to them. And the conversation quickly shifted to their other business, which was they were just launching, which was a a business brokerage company. And after hearing, not that they just wanted to sell businesses, it it was really around the fabric of why they had chosen to be in the business brokerage space and, and why they were trying to be there, that I really started to fall in love with the concept. And you know what that was to them was that they truly at the heart of the, the culture of the, the business they want to help small business owners they they believe that small business owners deserve better representation that the industry as a whole lacks professionalism and then there's really there's a really good opportunity to bring really nice processes and best practices to this market and you kind of leverage that through digital technology and and I heard this and it's like this light went off in my head. And literally within 30 days, I had quit my, my current job. I was doing uh, real estate in Denver and enjoying Raincatcher. And from there, it's just, it's history. It's been a great, great ride so far. You know, it's, it, you know we, we've talked some and I do have a really interesting question. You're from South Carolina. How is it that you're not a bass fisherman? And how did you get wrapped around fly fishing as opposed to bass fishing? I am a bass fisherman. Oh, I a lot so. of bass fishing. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually learned how to fly fish for bass uh, in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And uh-huh. it's grown to trout and to permit and tarpon and mm-hmm. uh, saltwater species as well. So if it swims, I'll fish for it. You know, I'm, and I'm not a purist, Bob. I, I, feel, <laughs> I won't use a, a regular rod, you know, regular tackle. I'm not a purist, but I do love fly fishing. You know, it's uh, yeah, I, I grew up in the deep south bass fishing. In fact, I just got off the Rodman impoundment down in Florida not that long ago. And I fly fish down in the in south of Cancun as well. I'm much more dangerous, or as the guy says, you're a good monkey hunter. So uh, fly fishing is not something I think I can make a living doing. But, uh, you know, as, as you look at rain ca- catcher in the culture, you know, so you have the original nucleus of you and Marla, you know, and then, and then the business starts to grow. And you guys have, I think, what, six brokers and associate brokers, or did it just grow to eight? 
Yeah, so we have, uh, we're just at eight brokers now, including myself. You know, I, I think about the culture of a smaller firm. Mm-hmm. And then as you start to expand the firm, how do you guys take and teach and or transfer the culture that you guys envision to the, the folks? Because you have a distributed group of, of folks. How do you transmit that culture? You know, the, one of the first things we ask the people that we're bringing under our team is, you know, why? Why do you want to join Raincatcher? Why do you want to be a business broker? Why do you want to be in this industry? And there's all sorts of answers. You know, I want to make money. I want to have flexibility. I, you know, but at the core, what we're looking for is for someone to say, I want to help small business owners. Mm-hmm. And that is fundamentally what we do. And everything else falls into place. Obviously, there's a lot of hard work and process and stuff that's put behind it. But if I think if you have that core mission that you want to help a small business owner, and it's not just about the transaction, that's why we bring people into our team. And that's what Marla and I stress over and over and over again. And I think it shows with our messaging. I think it shows uh, with the way that we interact with clients. And you can see it as the business grows that people are receptive to that message. You know, I, I think out in the space of the small business owner, you know, and, and for me, I, got, I serve a lot of business owners in, in the business I have. And I'm also a small business owner outside of this current business. And the lack of, I think a lot of small business owners don't know what they don't know when it comes to selling their business. You know, and when you think about your past experience with your dad, not only selling his company, but going in and buying it back and then being in the commercial real estate, does that, do you think that gives you a particular insight that you bring forward when you're working with other business owners? It does. I think that not only my past experience, but my current experience as an owner of Raincatcher and the previous businesses that I've owned, I understand what it means to try to figure out how to pay payroll. The stress that that the actual people that you're paying payroll to don't really understand, you know, where's that next uh, check going to come from? You know, those are real challenges that unless you're in the trenches as a business owner, you just don't quite understand. And so I I think I can relate in that way. I've been through really what it means to try and build and grow a business. And I've made a lot of sacrifices and I've seen a lot of sacrifices from my parents as they've grown their businesses. And, you know, those are really challenging decisions that you have to make. And, you know, I think I can relate to a lot of business owners because of that. Well, you know, I think about empathy and the emotional response, you know, in talking to a business owner that's getting ready, you know, like your father, you know, he probably spent more time with his business than he did with his family. Yeah. To, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was definitely the case. Um, you know, and so you end up, you're selling one of your children effectively. <laughs> and maybe he'd want to do that at one time or another with me. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's true. It, this is, uh, it, what's in, I think important to note for us is in Raincatcher, 95% of the businesses that we work with are original owners, original founders, first time business sellers. And this is a lifetime event. I mean, this is, it's not just a business transaction. Not just like you're going out and selling a house. And this is people's identity in a lot of regards. This is their, their life. And so respecting that, being empathetic to that, and understanding what they're going through is, is one of our largest responsibilities as a broker. And it, for us, it's not just about getting the deal done. It's figuring out, is now the right time to sell? You know, realistically, I know you want to sell and I know you want to exit, but is now right is the right is that the right time? You know, or what what are your goals afterwards? What are you gonna do once you do get that check and once you, you are out of the business? Are you ready for that? You know, you can only play so much golf. Now, people say that, but I could probably fish for the rest of my life. So 
you know, but I hear for a lot of people that, you know, post sale, you know, you can only do so many hobbies and you need something to be involved in. And I think that's genuine. I think people, especially successful entrepreneurs need that, you know, that, that next thing or, or need to be involved in something. So there's also an emotional side post sale that people struggle with. So for us, that's kind of navigating those waters and trying to provide guidance and just, you know, putting the right team together to help them be successful prior to sale and also post-sale. You know, when, when you're working with a business owner, you, what do you think is the, the most important thing that you do and that helps that business owner looking to sell? I think that our role is to help them be kind of level-headed. It's to be, one, to help them prepare. Two, just to, to be level-headed about the transaction and help them understand what to expect and understand what their expectations are. There's a lot of, I think, misinformation out there. Uh, and sometimes expectations are set that may not be realistic. So we really have to work hard with the sellers to give them a clear roadmap of what this process looks like from A to Z and guide them along the way and kind of ground them in that process so that they don't get dis- distracted and or disappointed when they have an expectation that may not be delivered in the process. You know, I think about that entire sales process and pre-framing the challenges. You know, you can say, you know, the buyer's going to either, you know, one type or another buyer and the buyer could be coming in and going like, well, you know, your kid is not nearly as attractive as you think your kid is. And the business owner in many cases, I think, would be highly offended if you call their business in the slightest bit ugly. Everyone's baby is the prettiest for sure. Having seen some, you know, you kind of go, well, they'll grow into it. But, you know, I, I think about, you know, as you drill down and, and look at the challenges and then, you know, you have a number of sellers out there that have talked about the process and they go, it was less than fun, you know, and some of the advisors and brokers were not exactly helpful. You know, what are some of the things that, that affect, you know, the track record of selling or your reputation as a business broker and a business owner? Yeah, I think one of the most important things that a business owner can do is prepare. Business owners spend so much time in their business and they don't spend a lot of time preparing to exit their business. And so oftentimes we'll get a seller that'll come to us and say, well, I'm ready to sell. And we look at the <laughs> they look at their watch. Yeah, it's time. I want to sell now. And we're like, well, okay. And they have certain expectations and it's not always the best time right now to sell. So there's, there's a lot of things that business owners can do to prepare their company for sale. And so I think that's one of the biggest risks to go rushing the process. And also one of the things that a lot of sellers don't think about and don't do, they just think that they're ready. And so now's the time. I think a business owner can really prepare their business or make their business more presentable is doing some, some work ahead of time. And that can be all sorts of things. And that's one of the things that we do as a company is we we kind of analyze a, a company when they come in to us and we start having those initial conversations. Fundamentally, is now the best time or are there items that we can work on to help improve the likelihood of your business selling or the likelihood of a buyer saying, well, this is a great business instead of trying to beat it up or telling you that it's not pretty. When you rush the process, sometimes those red flags um, become a little bit more prevalent because you didn't kind of think through it and prepare and get, get it ready. It's like staging a home before you, you go to the market. Putting a fresh coat of paint on the, the walls goes a long way. You know, I think about one of the questions I always think is, man, if I could have talked to you five years ago before you got to here today where you're ready to sell the company, if you had the opportunity to offer advice to the 
the business owner five years before they arrive at your door, what are the top one or two things you would suggest to them that they might do to improve the value? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that a small business owner can do is to separate themselves from the business. I think the natural inclination for small business owners is they need to have their hands in everything and that they're that important to the vitality of the business. And without them, it would fail. That's the truth. If you're that entrenched in the business, it's very difficult to pass that on to the buyer. So really working hard to separate yourself, put key management, key processes in place to where you're not important. And that's really hard for a business owner to accept. They're not in control anymore. Obviously, strategically, you can be in control and you can guide the direction of the business. But you don't need to be in the trenches and you don't need to be on the day-to-day involved in the decision-making of a company. That's one of the biggest things that I could recommend. I think secondly is your financials have to be clean and you really need to spend the time and have the you know clean and really reconciled financials. We have a saying, it's like the way that you put financials in the system or input data, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You, know, you really want to make sure that the financials are clean and the numbers that you're representing in your sale of your business are true and verifiable. I think Sometimes small business owners get a little sloppy on how books are done. And that's something that can be detrimental in the sale process. You know, I think about, so I'm, I'm the business owner sitting out there and going like, what do you mean not clean financials? What are some of the more egregious things that you see in financials that would raise a flag for a buyer? You know, uh, so part of what we do on, on business transactions is we look at what we call seller's discretionary income. You know, mm-hmm. what is the true income of the business when you look at addbacks. And addbacks are typically personal or discretionary expenses that are run through the company. We understand that small business owners run a lot of discretionary expenses through through their business. But that would be one area where you know a business owner could clean that up. You know, stop running you know your personal expenses through your company. Most people do it to shelter you know tax obligations, but to make your business more sellable. You know, that's something that you, you probably want to limit. Another area where we see that there's a, a challenge is both on reconciliations, you know, not reconciling your books every month. Maybe they do it once a year. Maybe they don't do it at all. And that can really be hard to sell a company that doesn't have you know, reconciled financials. And then there you, sometimes you get a very vast discrepancy between, say, your QuickBooks accounts and your tax returns. You know, people always say, well, oh, yeah, well, I beat up my tax returns so I don't have to pay money to Uncle Sam. Well, that's great, but you know, also it, it really limits the ability to, for the buyer to get financing. It limits you know, really what are the true financials for the business. Um, so that would be another area that I would you know, just add caution or just you know, run it as clean as possible. You know, as, as you guys have dealt with in Raincatcher's history, God knows how many companies that you guys have talked with or sold. And if you looked across that inventory and there's some where the sale failed for one reason or another, what would you say outside of Raincatcher, the failure rate on sales might be out there when a business owner is thinking about selling? So somewhere around a quarter to a third of the businesses that go onto the market actually sell. So we're talking 25 to 33% of businesses that actually go out to market are actually going to close. So it's a high failure rate. For me, that's just a stunning number. You know, there was a statistic I saw that said two thirds of all jobs created in the United States after the crash of 08 were by small business owners. And so you think about 
well, if the small business owner goes to sell the company and three out of four don't sell, what happens to the families and employees that depend yes. on that business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the, either the, the business doesn't sell and they have to close the doors, which is the worst thing ever. I mean, it absolutely gives me heartburn when I drive through areas and I see going out of business mm-hmm. uh, signs on, on, on storefronts. I mean, retail is hard enough, but then you see you know, storefronts that are closing. And I think about it and I was like, well, did they have the opportunity to sell that business? You know, did they have the right representation? Did they even know how to sell a business? And were there any resources available to that, you know, that business owner? And that, that hurts. I mean, to see that someone has to just sell their inventory and close the doors. You know, I, I think about all the years of all the years, right? You know, and, and the struggle and all this triumphs and challenges of a business owner. And then you come to the tail end where it's 80% of your net worth and it doesn't transact. You know, and I think that's the statistic. Small business owners, about 80% of the net worth is in their business. And I think, you know, there's the viewpoint, you got the seller's viewpoint of his business, and then you got the buyer's viewpoint. What are the types of buyers out there? And, and what types of things do you find that sellers don't really recognize from a buyer's perspective? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so to answer your question about buyers, there, there are all sorts of buyers out there. I think that you can kind of break them down in a few categories. You have your, your financial buyers, so people that just look on straight cash flow that want to you know, buy a good business. They don't really care too much about industry, but they want steady cash flow and, and maybe a good management team. And they, they'll buy it more as an investment. Mm-hmm. And you're you're going to look at you know, institutional buyers. You know, look at private equity or banks or more structured firms that, that buy businesses for, for their investors. And then you have strategic buyers. Buyers that are in the same industry that buy a good business as an add-on to their existing business line. I think sometimes sellers don't really acknowledge the risk that buyers are taking by you know, buying their business. A business is a living, breathing organism. It's not just a house, right? There's so many different moving parts. There's so many different things that can go wrong. A key employee leaves. You know, there's a, a, a rise in the cost of goods. I mean, there, there's, you know, the relationships that the owner had don't transfer over to the buyer. There's a tariff that's instituted. There's a tariff that is instituted. <laughs> yeah. Interesting enough, I mean, you look at manufacturing in the beginning of this year, it was one of the hottest industries. And within a quick period of time, you know, manufacturing has, has slowed down in this country. And there's a lot of headwinds facing that industry. So deals that may have been worth $30 million in or 3 million, whatever the number is, and beginning of 19, you know, now are, are having a hard time selling that same multiple. So things can change quickly. And I think sometimes sellers don't acknowledge that there are those risks out there. Um, and the buyer is taking the, the full brunt of, of those risks. You know, in, in your experience in working with sellers, you know, many of the sellers, they arrive with a thought process of, I think my business is worth X. In your experience, where do you think those buyers get that valuation judgment from? And where do you guys get your valuation estimates from? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. I hope that we, we start, we're pulling some of the same resources. And I think that's one thing that I think we do well as a, as a company. Uh, we really look at a multiple of different resources to try and understand what the, the true value of a company is. So from our standpoint, we typically will look at the earnings of a company and then we'll try and benchmark the business against other businesses uh, within that industry. 
And we look at much, it's very similar to you look at comparable market sales for real estate. You do the same thing for businesses. You'll look at, all right, what have businesses in this size range in this industry sold for historically? And we use comp sources, much like uh, you would see in real estate. And then we apply a multiple to uh, the earnings. And that kind of gives you a valuation, really a valuation range, because there's always a high and a low multiple. And where you fall in that multiple range really depends on the, the nuances of your business. How much customer concentration is there? How much owner dependence is there? So there's different levers that you look at to determine where that multiple actually falls. You know, my, my sense of, in talking to a number of business owners, I'll say, so what are you going to do next after this? And you go, I'm really not sure. And I says, well, what's your business worth? They go, well, I don't really know. And I said, have you looked at any trade journals? Have you talked, I mean, have you gathered any information of any kind to really try and says, well, I think it's worth X. And you go, well, how did you arrive at that number? And, you know, for me, I, I have a real challenge when I talk to the business owner to try to figure out what frame of reference they're using. You know, and for you guys, you have the resources, you have the experience. And one of the things we haven't talked about that Raincatcher has is they have a really good inventory of buyers. We do. We've worked really hard. I mean, we work on the sell side, so we represent sellers, and that's our core business. But I think one of the values that we bring is our buyer database. So we are representing sellers, but we're also out there nurturing buyers. And what I mean by that is that we set up buyer calls, we, we vet buyers, we, we add them to our database, we have conversations and try to understand what they're looking for, what industries are attractive to buyers at this time. And we segment out our database that way. So we know when we take a deal in the market, we have... 500 buyers looking for a manufacturing company yeah. between you know 500 and a million dollars. And that's really important um, because those buyers have committed capital. They're ready to move. And if you have a good group of buyers ready and willing, you can often get multiple offers for a deal at, at one time. Well, you guys have been recognized too nationally for the skill set that you guys bring to the table. We have. Yeah, we have. It's, uh, you know, I'm just so thrilled with the success we've had so far and, and where we're going. But we got recognized by Inc. Magazine as the best business broker in the U.S. Uh, we just got recognized in Denver as the best business broker of 2019. So our core goal is to disrupt the business brokerage space. We want to redefine what it means to be a business broker. We really want to be, bring the, kind of the, the best practices that you see that these Fortune 500 companies get with representation, we want to bring those best practices down to the small business market. There's no reason that a business selling for $3 million shouldn't get the same representation as a business selling for $100 million. And that's our true goal is to try and bring that down to the space. You know, I, I think about that effort and, you know, the transmission of culture recognition that you guys have. And when you talk to a new business owner, there's some level of pushback that you get on either the fees or their perception of the value that the fees represent. Yeah. It's a challenging process. And I think part of it is educating the business owner of everything that we do and all the value that we add. And what I try and tell people is that, look, the fees... Well, let me back up. Our fees are success-based. So we make our money when the business owner makes their money. And so we align our, our objectives completely with the business owner. And I look at it as a partnership. You know, we're going side by side, we're on the same side of the table, and we're driving to the same goal. And that's to sell your business for the most amount of money possible in the quickest amount of time. 
that's not easy though. I mean, that's easy. To, <laughs> easy to say. Yeah. yeah easy to say, but there's all sorts of, of challenges along the way. And the reason why we, you know, our, our fees are what they are is because we take the risk with the business owner and we think that their reward should be commensurate with the risk that we take. We front load costs. We spend hours and months of time on the deal only to get paid when they get paid. You know, I, I think about in a number of discussions, you know, and, and if you're looking at a particular business and they say, we're looking for this um, sale price and you go, you know, we don't think you're there, yeah. you know, after you go through the due diligence process. But I think you guys are also in the world of making recommendations to the business owners. Says, but if you do A, B, C, and D, or, you know, this recommended group says, you know, and postpone, you know, that the business may get closer to the target you're looking for. So you do that as well. We do. You know, I think what differentiates us and I think whether a business owner is talking to me or Raincatcher or anyone else, you really need to figure out, and I mentioned this earlier, is now the right time to sell? We start talking to business owners. We take a very holistic view. We're not a volume brokerage. We're not trying to just list a company. We truly believe in what's best for the business owner. So we'll talk to someone and we'll, we typically have them take an assessment. The assessment is value, it gives you eight key drivers to being able to sell your company. And it gives us a score. So it's a rating system. And based on where that score falls, it gives us a good idea, is now the right time to sell your company? And if it's not, we have that discussion with them. And if there's things that we identify that they can do to improve the value of their company, we have a great affiliate program and we'll, we'll recommend that they work with one of our advisors to work on those issues. And, and again, you know, I mentioned a couple of these that could be over dependence on the owner. You know, how do you separate yourself from the daily grind of the business? And there's ways to, to do that. We work with a great group that works on a system called EOS. You know, maybe it's just your financials need to be cleaned up and you need a, a part-time CFO. Uh, so we work with you know, business owners to do that too. And the way that we look at it, it may take longer to get them on the market, but it's going to be a much better business and our success rate is going to be much higher. You know, I think about, you were talking previously, there could be one industry, you know, a business for sale in an industry, and it could sell from one end of the multiple range to the other. You know, and my assumption in the assessment tool is that you have a lower number and a higher number, and the higher the number, the more likely that your multiple expansion will occur. Correct. Yeah. The, the closer you are to a hundred, the more likely you're going to get a higher multiple for the business. And, you know, and I think about the perception of the potential buyer. I don't have to fix this. I don't have to fix that. And there's no surprises in the process. Yeah. You bring up a good point. It's, I think there's a lot of information out there that, all right, businesses trade for three times earnings, right? Is it three times earnings? And that multiple could be two times earnings based on the risks that are associated with the business. So, you know, I think these business owners, or a lot of business owners get expectations in their head by the information that's readily available online. But it's not just about your financial performance. It's not just about how much profit you're generating. There's all these other risks associated with the business that play in the, in the minds of a buyer. Are all your sales part of a few customers? Do you have a customer concentration issue? Now, those are the things that we really need to think about before you take a business to the market. Well, you know, I, and I think about your background, you know, you got the business side, then you got the real estate side, you know, and a great number of the businesses aren't just a simple business only transaction. It's the business and the real estate. And so you guys bring that to the table as well. We do. Yeah. So 
depending on the state. For Colorado, absolutely. I'm the managing broker for our firm. Uh, we have our real estate license. Uh, I've got commercial real estate experience. And so we'll do the, the commercial real estate transaction along with the business. Now, I'll say that, but sometimes we get into a transaction where there's an overly complex real estate situation. And that's one thing that we're really good at. And I think any business broker should be acknowledged where their expertise is. Um, sometimes we'll bring in a pure commercial real estate advisor that can recommend and, and help us transact that real estate part of the, the deal. Because we can't be everything to everyone. You've got to be really good at, at one thing. And for us, you know, that's selling businesses. But if there's a simple real estate transaction involved, we'll, we'll handle that as well. You know, I, I think about that business owner that's, you know, you know, I'm really smart. Obviously, I've got a successful business and, you know, I've done a typical uh, entrepreneurial persona and go, well, I can do this by myself. When you see the business owner that decides to go down the path by himself and there's a potential buyer that's having multiple requests, what do you typically see occur for both the business owner and their underlying business when they're entertaining buyers? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. I, I think that typically they'll leave money on the table. I, I also think that oftentimes in that situation, the, the business owner gets distracted and they focus more on the, the prize and less on the business. And so you start seeing you know, detrimental impact to the business, sales going down, profit going down. And really what a, a buyer, and I've seen this strategy before, a buyer will make, oh yeah, we're interested in your business. And they just keep dragging it out and dragging it out. And it there's no one there controlling the process and there's no one there being that advocate. And so those transactions, you know, typically are for less, not that they can't get done. You know, I, I, there are a lot of transactions that can get done, but they're typically for less. They typically take longer and it's typically way more frustrating for the business owner because, you know, he's not in control. And I think that's one role that the business broker does play is you've got to control the transaction. And better to have the control on the sell side than on the buy side. Well, you know, there's, you know, I've heard it a number of times from folks, and they'll say the business deal between here and there dies a number of times along the way. You know, and I, I think about for the business owner, highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows through the process. And you guys see hundreds of transactions go by, and the business owner may have seen theirs, one only. Yeah. Lifetime event. Most time, this is the first business that a lot of these business owners will sell, or the second or the third. But mm -hmm. one or two transactions, you don't see the full gamut of what can happen. And I think that's a great point that you kind of bring up there is that it's important for the business owner to consider the whole team. And we're just a part of that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just about the broker, you know, it's about having the right attorney, it's about having the right CPA. It's about having the right wealth advisor, financial advisor, post-close. What are you going to do with your money? You know, are you just going to put it in a bank account? You know, there's, all, there's these types of things that sometimes are overlooked. And one of our roles, and I think we do a really good job, is forming that right team and making sure that the right advisors telling the owner the right message are on the team. You know, I, I think about, you know, and I'll, I'll talk to business owners frequently that have sold their company. And I'll say, so on the Monday following the close, what did you do? And, you know, and, and, you know, former military guy like me, you'd see a general officer retire and he went from step and fetch to carrying his own luggage, you know, and you think about the business owner on Monday he goes, well, huh, I've got nowhere to go. 
So I think this, you know, you bring up a very valid point is that post-sale planning side, I think, gets little attention Absolutely. from business owners without it being drawn, drawn to their attention. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that's one thing we're trying to do ahead of time is rec- make recommendations for these business owners. Like, you know, what are you going to do with this money? What are your plans emotionally after mm-hmm. sale? And we actually do a, an assessment prior to taking on a client. It's called a pre-score. It's done by a value builder. And it, it's an emotional assessment. Are you ready to sell your company and mentally ready to take that next step? And that's a big part of it. We want to make sure that business owners are committed to the process and they do have good plans, you know, post-close. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, for me, I, I've gone through uh, a designation for exit planning and I was driven there by uh, an event that happened to a friend of mine and his business didn't transact and it was a really unfortunate event. But in looking at the folks that are getting ready to sell their business, I think they think exit is a thing in and of itself. I think having a business to be ready for purchase at any time is frankly good business. You know, you don't have customer concentration. You don't have owner dependency. You have policies and procedures. You know, you have intellectual property protected. And, you know, maybe that's something to comment on. When you look at the value of a company, intellectual property, the kind of the special sauce a company has, do the owners understand that they should protect that? Oftentimes, no. I don't think that they take the steps necessary to protect their IP. So that's definitely an area that I think that you know, business owners can improve. It's a topic that's not discussed as much as you know, financials mm-hmm. or you know, the profit of the business. Um, and it's one that I think as we get into a time of security breaches and uh, the mm-hmm. internet you know, being, being more prevalent in a lot of these businesses, that it's something that is definitely going to need to be protected more. Well, you know, I, I think about a business where, let's say they have a very proprietary process that really is the mechanism or, or discipline that has propelled their company. And they go, what's to take, you know, what's to prohibit one of their key employees from walking off with all the secret sauce on how they do things and forming a competitor? And I don't think that's well covered or, or protected for many of the business owners. No, I don't think so either. I, and I, that's something that if you're entrenched in the business on the day-to-day, and you're the guy out selling product or you're the guy out there helping on the line or whatever facet of the business that you're entrenched in, you can't step back and work on the business and work from a strategic level and pay attention to the things like, you know, is there risk for, for IP? You know, is there risk of someone spinning off of, you know, the same product that we're working on? When you're in it and you're working in the business, you can't be working on the business. You know, I was talking earlier with another um, peer of yours that's in ring catcher. And, and, you know, I always think about the customer as concentration risk. And he brought up, well, what about supplier risk? And if you have a sole supplier and that's interrupted, what does that do to your business valuation? Yeah, absolutely. It's detrimental. The best time to sell a business is on, on the up. It says mm-hmm. it's it profits, revenue are increasing. You can always, I think the natural inclination is to always try and get to that next level. And, but you're always going to have something ahead of you. So there, you know, if you can sell a company as it's growing and you're, you know, a buyer sees future growth and future potential, that's the best time to sell. But if you have a supplier risk and you're on that trajectory and the supplier, you lose your supplier and things start to decline, it's going to be really, really hard to sell your business on a negative trajectory. Yeah. You can't run fast enough. 
you cannot run fast enough. And we see this all the time. I mean, we, we see business owners that come to us, everything looks great. We're very excited about selling the business and we're, we start the process and then something happens. They take their eye off the ball. Maybe we did, maybe they didn't identify this problem up front and you know, there's a negative impact on the business. And it's amazing how quickly the buyers dry up when you start to have a you know, negative path on a business you know, relative to revenue or profit. You know, we, we, we talk on, on many different parts of the business. You know, for, for you guys, you'll see a business owner that's electively coming to the table to sell. How frequently do you see the business owner that shows up that's had a health event that no longer has a choice and has to sell? You know, what are your thoughts when you run across that client? It's very challenging. We actually were working with a client recently that ran into an issue like that. And it makes it very difficult, one, to sell back to the comment about a negative path and a negative trajectory on, on income or, or revenue. But then you lose all leverage. I mean, if you, if you have to sell, you're really going to lose the leverage in the transaction. And we really, you know, our process is built around creating leverage in a transaction and creating buyer tension and multiple buyers at the table. And when we were desperate and we have to sell, or the seller has to sell, you, you really can't create that leverage. So you're, you're stuck with a, probably you know, an outcome that's not too desirable. You know, I, I think about the, the business owner that's listening, right? And you know, like I, I think I'm bulletproof, and I'm obviously not, but I think I am. And you kind of go, well, I've got time. You know, and I'll put off doing the strategic look. I'll put off looking at all these issues that you talk about are value creators for a business. And if you're a business owner listening, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but everybody's going to exit their business one way or another, mm-hmm. you know, either voluntarily or at death. And hopefully this episode will be the spark that will cause you to step back from your business and look at those key drivers and start doing it now. And so if you have an unannounced buyer that shows up, you get a call and go, hey, somebody wants to buy your business. That would be a good thing. So I'm a business owner and I got a call unsolicited by a firm that wants to buy my business. What might you recommend? Call me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's, um, that happens all the time. There's firms out there that all they do is, is cold call and, and try and source deals. I mean, there, there are buyers and we talk to them. They're calling us as well to help them source deals. But it's not rare at all for a business owner to get a call from someone that's looking to buy their business, whether it's a financial buyer or strategic buyer. I go back to your, your comment about everyone's going to exit a business one way or another, uh, whether it's by choice or, or by death. And that's a, an unfortunate truth that what happens if you can't sell your business? You, know, you continue to work and work and work. And ultimately, you know, unfortunately, that does happen. And quality of life and you know, a good balance is obviously important. And having someone find that exit is, is, is even more important. My recommendation to a business owner, if they do get a call out of the blue, is to make sure that they verify who they're speaking with. Make sure that it is a legitimate group. Unfortunately, there are people out there that try and take advantage of the information that they get. You know, whether it's through a business broker or whether it's through an attorney, you know, make sure that you're protected with the non-disclosure agreement before you actually have conversations with someone, and make sure that you're really that they are really sincere and are, are capitalized to be able to make a purchase before you start sharing information with them. Well, that, and I, you know, I think about that comment. And so it goes, that sounds like a really good offer. Com, you know, and my, my answer would be compared to what? Yep. I mean, yeah, so, you know. Great point. We actually got a, um, yeah. 
a new client that we've been working with lately that, you know, they got a great offer. Someone called them up and they said, we love your business. We'll give you $8 million for your business. And they were like, well, this is everything we've ever wanted. And they started down the path and they, they stopped and they started thinking about it. They're like, what if we had someone on our team that was out there and we had multiple people looking at this business, mm-hmm. you know, and we went out to the market, could we get more? And we're going down the path with them. And yeah, I absolutely think we can get more. I think that it's a great business and we can probably get 50% more. And so they're going to net what they probably will, would sell you know, to this other group. So I think about that, you know, you're kind of going, well, it's the first time and the buyer may have done this multiple times. You're doing it, you know, as an owner, maybe one time. And I think it's one of those things as if, you know, for a business owner listening, I said, what's the harm in calling? There isn't a harm for them to call and say, I have an unsolicited offer for my business. But I think that also plays into the part, if you've got all the levers in place and you're doing all the things correctly and, you know, you've de-risked your business and then you kind of go, you have some general notion of where you stand in the market if you've done all that properly. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You know, um, I think it's important for the business owners to surround themselves with the right advisors. Mm-hmm. And just because, you know, they may have an attorney or they may have a CPA, those may not be the, the best advisors uh, because there are industry specialists. There are people that focus on transactions that know the levers to pull and know the value of certain things that maybe a generalist does not. That's an important part for a business owner to kind of take into consideration. You know, I, I think about the analogy, we all see it in the healthcare field, right? And you're going to your family practitioner and says, you know, you need a valve replaced in your heart. And you go, well, do you do that on Saturdays? And you go, well, no. Well, you know, did, did you send him to the cardiovascular surgeon? That, yeah, that's my first time. No, that's not the guy you want. Yeah. You know, it's not the lady that you want. You want somebody that that's what they do. And I think folks stumble over what they perceive as the cost, where I really think down the road, if they step back and look post-sale, it's really an expense that it costs them at the end. Absolutely. And that applies to a broker. That applies to an attorney. It's across the board. Across the board. You know, I, I say this to a lot of our clients and when we get kicked back on, on our costs and our fees. And I think they're in par with the industry. But we look at what we do as a revenue generator. Mm-hmm. We're driving more value than we are an expense. So someone can go out with a a broker or do it on their own and they can you know, sell it for a dollar, you know, we're going to be able to go out and leverage our process and, and our buyer pool and sell it for a, a buck and a quarter. And so we're going to get 25% more and pay for ourselves. And well, you know, I think about the auction bid, you know, or an auction process. I've got three buyers that want to buy your company yep. and the other buyers know it. Yep. Are they going to bring their sharp pencil or not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. definitely leverage the multiple people want looking at a business at one time. I mean, that is how you, it's not just price. You know, another thing we haven't talked about, and I think that a lot of business owners don't realize is that many people, most buyers are not going to come to the table and write you a check for 100% of the purchase price. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just doesn't happen. And it's getting less and less common. So, okay, what does that mean? You know, what are the contingencies of the rest of your money? And so not only you may have three buyers at the table, and they may be all, all offering the same price, but the, ter- the deal terms are going to be better, maybe one or the other. And so you can really leverage that when you have multiple people at the table. You know, I, I think about one of the things that I understand about Raincatcher is you guys are storytellers too. Because, yeah, you know, for the business owner, you know, you can have the numbers. Did I caught or, you know. What, what you mean that fish? This, that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> clearly you come from from a long line of storytellers in the fishing world but you know i i think about when you guys put the offering memorandum and stuff together mm -hmm. and that you guys tell the story of the business and i think you do that from what i understand really well we do uh you know our roots as a company we really were founded as a digital marketing company that does business brokerage now we've evolved into a very refined business brokerage company but our foundation is the way that we market and I mean that the way that we go out and tell the story, tell our brand, you know, tell our message, I think is one part of it. The other part is telling the story about the business and the, the reasons why this is a wonderful business and the reasons why you should be buying it. So yeah, we, when we work with a client, we put together a very comprehensive uh, SIM, uh, confidential information memorandum. It's kind of hard to say, but we put that together and it's, it's robust. I mean, it tells the story about the history of the business, about the, the buying motives. You know, we don't shy away from the risk. So we talk about the risk of buying the business. I think that's something that's very real and that buyers you know, are going to do the research on their own. And so we put that into our, our packages, talk about industry and financials and we have interviews with the owner and sometimes we do videos that we, you know, we attach and those are all the way that you present the business and you only get one opportunity at this. Is you, your first impressions are so important. And so we never rush a business to the market. We try and move you know, quickly, but we do a lot of prep work and we do a lot of research so that we know when we go to the market, we have that one shot to make a good first impression and it's the best one. You know, I, you know, I've been wearing you out for quite some time, you know, and, and you know, I'm a fan of business owners, love talking to them. And I'm always amazed that you go, you did what? And it made a living doing what, you know, so I'm, I'm always fascinated by the business owner. And of course the podcast is all about business owners and the folks that serve that marketplace, you know, for you and, you know, and looking over the time that you've been working in this industry you know, what are the tricks or techniques that you use that help get businesses sold? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think it's important to, and we talked about this a little bit, create leverage in the process. It's, it's important to control the process. And it's not, you don't want to just throw a business out on the market and wait and see what happens. So the trick to getting the deal done is, is having a very refined process to where you're casting a very wide net, you're getting very good exposure and that can be a multiple prong attack from you know, your own database to different listing platforms to you know, co-oping with other brokers and investment partners, but driving that process to a certain point, a decision point for buyers that you attract. And I think a mistake that's often made is that people just see what, let's see what happens. Let's throw it out the market and, and see what happens. And, and we don't work that way. We, that's the spaghetti approach. Yeah, it is. So you know, we so for all the deals that we work on, we, we have a very specific deadline for all offers. So we'll put it out on the market in our different marketing channels, and we'll tell all the buyers that here is the deadline. If you want to be uh, involved in the process to buy this business, here is the deadline that you have to submit an offer to us, and here is the expectation of what that offer looks like. We tell them what we want, and if you don't make an offer on, under these terms. You're, un, you're not conforming to our process and, and that'll be looked upon negatively. Mm -hmm. And it works. It, it definitely works to help control the process set very specific deadlines so we can you know, move the process along. And that's one of, the, you know, one of the things that I think really helps. And you don't see it a lot in the size range and the, the types of businesses that we're working with. 
you know, for the, for the business owner that's out there and goes, you know, I'm in a particular industry, you know, I don't know if Raincatcher works in my industry. Is, is there specific industries you guys concentrate on? You know, we are, we're fairly ag- agnostic on specific industries that we work with. We know what we don't like. Uh, we know what we do like. We, you know, we have some good experience in property management, vacation, biz- vacation rental businesses, construction niche type businesses, manufacturing, B2B services. But for me, what I, when I really look at small business sales, it's not specific to the industry. It's specific to the process. It's how do you take that process? How do you take that business and move it from A to Z and control it all the way through and all the techniques that you use to get that deal closed? And if you don't have a process, and, and if you, you know, I recommend this to a business owner, if you're talking to a broker, ask them, what, what is your process? You know, how do you handle mm-hmm. diligence? How do you handle the information, the data that we give you? How do you handle closing? And if, if someone can't clearly articulate exactly what their process is, they probably don't have one mm-hmm. and they're winging it. And that's something that we do. We, we have a process for everything. and we, we really know how to move a business through that cycle. So it, doesn't, it transcends industry, in my opinion, because we do enough research up front to really understand that industry and, and, and know how to get the deal to the closing line. And, and you guys have, uh, as I understand it, some rather unique tools on your website that's available to the business owner that's considering selling. Correct. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the, the, the value builder score, uh, mm-hmm. the pre-assessment, uh, the pre-score, which is kind of the emotional score. Those are complementary. You know, we work with business owners really to, to earn their trust in their business. Mm-hmm. So do free valuations. They can take the assessment, get the uh, 27-page report from Value Builder. They can take the pre-score and get that report as well. And those are you know, just intro tools that we use just mm-hmm. to you know, kind of set the basis for conversation. If you're wanting to sell tomorrow, we're not the brokerage firm for you. <laughs> it's not, we're not, we're not going to throw a deal on the market. We really try and understand that if this is the right time, the right fit, and the right opportunity for both sides. You know, for, for the business owner says, you know, geez, I need to, to reach out to Jason. How do they find you on social media? On social media, um, you can go to LinkedIn. It's probably a, a great way to, to find me, you know, Jason Thomas Denver. And, you know, also through our website, there's a way, uh, it's raincatcher.com. A great way is to go to our About Us you know, our team page and you can see my, my smiling face and uh, you reach out to me directly from there. Are there any pictures of any fish on that? You can go to my Facebook page. <laughs> you know, you know, it's loaded of, uh, it's either my children or pictures of fish or elk on my, uh, my Facebook page. <laughs> well, you know, you know, with all this being said, you know, we'll close with perhaps either the best advice that you ever received or advice you might offer to the business owner that's thinking about selling. My father-in-law is a, a contractor. And one of the, I mean, he's ingrained this in my brain. It's measure twice, cut once. And I think that applies to a lot of different things. It's not just carpentry. It's not just cutting wood. You know, you really need to think about what you're doing before you act. You really need to take the time to you know, talk to the right people, formulate the right plan before you, you jump into to selling your business. So measure it twice. Talk to multiple brokers talk to multiple attorneys, think about the different levers that are in your business that can drive value or detract value before you move forward with selling your company. And that's probably the biggest advice. Look, we are in the business of selling businesses, but we don't want business owners to fail in that process. And so there's a lot of work that can be done up front. 
and uh, you know, give us a call and we can talk about it. There's, there's a lot of options out there. Well, Jason, you know, I, I suppose we could talk about fishing for some time now, but uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing your experience and, and knowledge and you know, your philosophy about helping the, the business owner. And, uh, but I sincerely appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's been a great time. I really appreciate it.